now I'm nervous. Now I'm nervous. Okay. No, you're like me. I can't ever stop laughing and shit. Like, okay. <laughs> all right, here I go. Shashaw, don't say anything. Okay, all right. I'm not <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> Big bank, Bisha. Yeah, bitch, I'm back on it. Post a third oh, trap. Got- Bet your nigga double tap it. Got the comeback. Got him turning to attic. Round of applause when the ass get to clapping. Booty so big, he want to throw a stack on it. Bossy little bitch, keep a couple racks on me. 30 inch weave, I can sit my ass on it. Make your baby daddy want some special cash on me. jump in. I'm not going to be able <laughs> to do <laughs> I don't never do rap songs. I had to look at my Twitter because I just spoke. I was just. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Because I was like, I don't know what what song am I gonna do for Shazam. I was like, I was thinking like, oh, may I do some two live crew something? I'm like, no, I want something that speaks to him. And he's like, oh, I've been loving light skin Keisha. Yes, I was listening to just that song just earlier today. Were you really? Oh yes. no. Every day, yes, I love her. And I'm not gonna lie, I um, uh, I'm kind of into her now. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I had a dude I dated who was like, who had told me about it like a year ago, and I was like, first of all, whose name is Lyskin Keisha? That's I'm what be real I with you. Out. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I looked her up. She's she's not that light skin. I'm gonna be. I mean, she's all right. She's not. She's you're lighter than her. I'm gonna be real. Yeah. With you. Well, like, I mean, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, well, you're also, but she's like, oh yeah. So the reason behind it is like, she's like. Oh yeah, I watched Belly. And there was a dark skinned girl in it named Keisha, and I'm like, I'm light skinned Keisha. And I was like, All right, sis, that's it. Okay, it's a choice. Well, that's what I because I haven't really been out because most of the protests I've been doing lately, they've been and there's a reason for this. Like most of them been at night. So I told my friend, I said, Man, by the time I start going back in the day, like because with COVID and everything, I was like, I'm gonna be enjoying light skinned privilege by the time I walk out this motherfucking door. Child, I'm not gonna lie, you could pass, go get yourself a nice little uh, Wall Street job right now. You could go right up in there. <laughs> nah, like... I'm good. I'm gonna <laughs> just I'll burn that motherfucker down. That's what it happened. You gotta fund the revolution, though. You gotta fund the revolution, boo. <laughs> the thing is, like, I have so, like, do it from the inside. You gotta burn them yeah. out, you know, be that, be that mold, bitch. That mold in there. Yeah, burn burn that shit. From the inside, inside out. That's the thing. Well, that's the thing. So, like, I had, like, I have such, like, my extremes are from one end to the other because, and, and and some of my fans have pointed this out. They got mad at the studios. They like, they're trying to lighten you up. I was like, honestly, it's like I know that's some solid. of these, some of these producers, like the ones that I work with. They honestly, they're not gonna do that. I was like, I'm telling you, I ain't been outside in a while. But then summer rolls around, <laughs> and then it's like a different extreme, and like then it's the opposite. And like, are they trying to darken you because they try to? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, listen, like my using tanning cream, using tanning lotion. What you doing? <laughs> I honestly don't know. I'll go out in the sun for two hours and I'll, it'll totally be a different, I'll look totally different. It's Interesting. Funny. Yeah. I don't burn. Like I won't burn in the sun. Like, but like my skin is just like, it just does that. I could... Does that ever happen to you, Devereaux? Because you're a you're a lighter girl. Well, girl, I was. Yeah, using... I mean, you're not mi- you're not mixed. No lie, let's right, not right, let's right. not lie to the girls. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I I used this cleanser earlier today, and then I washed it off, and I looked in the mirror, and I was like, oh god damn, where'd all my color go? Like, Cleans- yeah. So that's one of the things I've noticed too. I started using a different one, and 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 uh, what I've noticed is now my face will be feeling all good and shit, but like then I'd be yeah. like. Am I lighter now? <laughs> yeah, it, I swear. Earlier this morning, I got lighter just from using this cleanser, and like, I'm I'm not kidding. I'm not. I I and I think that does happen like a lot. I think it. I think it. it, it the, when you when you cleanse like that, it does something with. I guess when it removes all the dead skin from your face, it kind of uh, does something. I guess that's what I'm seeing because I'm not like I'm like I really like this lotion, but again, I'm not trying to show up. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that seems like a good point. I was talking about cleansers and light. <laughs> To, um, welcome back, girls, to another episode of Two Safe Queens, one of the only places in the podsphere where you can hear a conversation about politics, dick, and black anarchist philosophies. This beach, bit, this week, bitch, we are hitting all three with special emphasis on the dick part. I'm your host, <laughs> I wrote this and it's like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. ridiculous. I'm your host, Miss Malachi. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ruining every attempt that I have a to do? I got dick jokes up? for everything, so it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Miss Malachi. I'm joined by a longtime fan and admirer of our guest, Miss Deborah Rowe. Hey, girl. Um, and if you couldn't tell from that sultry, velvety tone and the dick jokes, um, <laughs> we're joined by special guest, adult film star, film star. I literally cannot speak today. Maybe I'm too nervous. Adult film star, pan-Africanist, abolitionist, anti-fascist, and Black Panther disciple, Sean Zebra. You just hit them all, didn't you? <laughs> I, girl, I just, I stole the Twitter bio. I was like, let me just, I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm going to just take what she got in there. <laughs> you, you hit them all. So you, you... All right. <laughs> How are you feeling, boo? You ready for the Civil War? You ready for the South to, you know, secede? What's going on? How are you? This time, <laughs> let's let's do away with them for good. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but um, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it it's been a time of both, uh, I guess, encouragement and and also discouragement. It, it's mm. it's been mm. it's been a little bit of both and. I think just the extremes of it. What do you mean by that? Encouragement and disc. I mean, encouragement. I think there's been a lot of discouragement. What do you mean by? Because I, I love to see a. Um, I you know we get, we're we get you're gonna get a little bit of both on the show because I think I'm a little bit more of a Debbie Downer, a little bit of the. <laughs> I don't think most left girls are downers. I think we're just more. We just see we're just girls who have high expectations. I'll say, yeah. and there I think there are some people who it's not always about being centrist, but who kind of see the potential or have a bit more hope. But um, I'm curious how you're seeing encouragement. Well, I, I will. First, let me, let me preface this by saying I'm cynical as hell. So. Okay. Nice. I, I, Grow up to my own I heart. I to see encouragement. I think, I think actually being out in the streets is where I see the most encouragement mm. because it's easy to, especially with, with COVID-19 going on, it's very easy to feel alone in this. And it's very easy to look out at the world and say, does, does anybody even care to do right anymore? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I see a lot of that. And I think a lot of us have seen that. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's still, it's the, the other, the alternative I think is despair. And mm-hmm. I don't, it, it's very easy to feel that way. I have felt that way multiple times. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm a very cynical person. So in a lot of ways, I don't consider myself necessarily a pessimist, but it's just the fact that, you look at so much that it's just like I say, you look out there and you say, do people even care to do right? And and in some ways it's like what I see is obvious and the obvious thing that needs to be done. And people just don't even, and one of the things I've learned since I've been uh, a lot more active this year is just the incredible difficulty in getting people involved. Now that in itself mm. is discouraging. I think that's the, the main thing that's been discouraging. Mm. But um, as far as where I see hope, I think is really the only place you can see hope is when you get around like-minded people who actually mm. want to see things happen and, and, and people 
who just finally said, you know what, enough is enough. This can't go on like this. I mean, it's in the totality of it in black history in America. It's been, it's been 401 years. Why are we still doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, this is not, this is not, this is not right in any world, this, this, yeah. in, in my opinion. So that's kind of, when I get around people who feel the same, that's why I think where I feel the encouragement. I love that. I love yeah, that. me too. Um, and I'm and I'm glad you like my intro because you know me and Miss Devereaux, we be um I mean we're not nearly as um I won't even call you radical but just um honest authentic telling it like it is um and we don't be using these government names so <laughs> yeah, we're kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like let's leave your government name off but um I mean it's also worth saying like I think a lot of girls would know you um because as I said you are you know. While I've I've been really drawn to you in, in this political moment, I think, you know, there's also a side to you that is, you know, an adult entertainer. And, like, mm. I mean, Miss Devereaux, you're familiar with her, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, all, <laughs> girl, all the girls on the internet know Miss Sean Zeverin. Like, every, all the girls know. You know, I'm going to make me nervous. Like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, is she, are we going to make Sean Zeverin blush? <laughs> you know, you, y'all need to see. I wish y'all could see the smile right now, this million dollar smile. <laughs> Every time Sean smiles, y'all girls, it is y'all ridiculous. Y'all girls are mad when I'm doing a video recording. Y'all oh, <laughs> his smile. Oh, my gosh. But I will say, girl, I will say, okay, I was wondering, because I am one of your OnlyFans subscribers, and I know that oh, you ain't so seen me like a mad gonna... message, have you? Like, wait, I haven't been doing content lately, so. Yeah, We're going to get back yes. to politics, like, but where first, girl, you I got some tea. Yeah. Well, so I know you've been on a pandemic hiatus, so, mm-hmm. you know, what does your professional life look like here in December 2020? We know about your activism life, but so what is your I'm professional not, life uh, like? Right contrary to what seems to be popular belief now, because I get a lot of this question a lot is, uh, am, I done, am I finished with porn? And, you know, I don't. In, in so far as I can keep going with porn, like I don't think I'll ever be entirely finished with it because it's just one of those things that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you can do it, why not? You know, and, and, and if you, yeah, so as long as you got that stroke. Girl, <laughs> so, but I did take a little bit of a break there, especially in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, mm. I, I am starting to, I guess, come twenty twenty one, I'll have some more things lined up. So I'm definitely not finished with that. I definitely hear the fans who are like, hey, you know, they appreciate that. We miss oh, you. Striving. We miss your dick. We miss your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I want to be able to, I do realize that there are people that are still hanging with me on OnlyFans and they haven't seen content in a while. And I do want to deliver to them. So it's it's nothing. A lot of it in the beginning is I also, here's the thing. So when I go out to these protests and we were all very cognizant of you know what we're dealing with here and 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 uh so we all wear our mask and stuff and so every time that i do something that i have to consider not only myself but the other people that i'm putting at risk to and so right, a lot right. of what i do lately has been coordinated off of that and so the focus admittedly has been off of my work in the adult entertainment industry but obviously that is my work as well and it continues to be my work so it's not a, it's not sustainable to keep going with no work nobody can do that <laughs> Mm, <laughs> especially capitalism honey with as helpful as our government has been but you know um but so i so i hear the fans and i want them to know that i will continue to deliver in 2021 um right now it's 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 uh it's it's been a weird time for all of us so it's it's not like i'm not ignoring them and i definitely appreciate the ones who have stuck beside me despite me not delivering content much lately so well how are you going to negotiate like risk and safety when it comes to you know starting to perform again and and being on camera. Come on, Dr. Devereaux. <laughs> I think uh, I think a lot of it is, has, has to be dealt with in the same way that we deal with STIs in the community. So, you know, it's just, and with tests being readily available for COVID-19, I think uh, 
you know, obviously there's no, there's no such thing as a hundred percent certainty mm, with, with right. anything. And so it's just one of those things where you have to ensure that your partners and everybody else is kind of staying on top of it. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of white gays who, um, who just don't you follow that Instagram account. <laughs> Hash- What's it called? Gays over COVID. Hashtag gays over COVID. Yes. Oh, All I haven't time. seen that one. That's oh, not- girl, we'll send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not. Don't send it to me right now. Cause if I get started on something, I'll never shut up. But like, um, but I think it just, it, a lot of that has to just kind of fall in line with that. And it's similar thinking It's like, obviously nobody can be a hundred percent sure, but it's, you have to get routine tested. And especially with things going on right now, I think the vaccine will help. Although with the way it's gone in Europe so far, there have, you know, I'm in dark government's history, to be honest, I'm a little bit skeptical, but I think once we start introducing the vaccine and once we see the, you know, if the efficacy is indeed as high as they say it is, then we start seeing a uh, greater herd immunity. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll I think that'll help a lot, and that will uh, definitely aid in in in, in uh, the adult film industry doing more content. So, you know, so we we're Miss t- um, Devereaux was talking about you know her knees as an OnlyFans subscriber <laughs> 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 and your your professional life, but um, and I think this is the thing that I mean, some of the girls are probably still doing it, but um, and we are definitely going to get into politics and talk quite a bit about that but just to get some of those burning questions out of the way you know i know that a lot of um adult film stars have done escorting i was just wondering if you've ever done any of that sort of work um and how you and if you have like how you kind of differentiate that from doing film work um there's definitely a different so first of all yes um i do or, or i was i kind of this is actually a story that... i'm not gonna lie i already knew because i saw the profile <laughs> But I didn't want to assume, you know, I was like, you know, girls, somebody could have used the face yeah. to have this, right? No, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm, like, like I'm, I'm an open book about all that stuff. So, but like the thing yeah. is, I was doing it up until very recently. The reason mm. I haven't done it lately is because one, COVID obviously, and you know, everybody okay. says they're on top of, you know, you just, you got to be careful. You can't trust no ho. The biggest reason is I started running background checks on these numbers. And so after the third one traced back to the Department of Justice, I said, maybe it's time to chill out for a bit. So, Wait, that, I heard you talking about, that yeah, was, Yeah, I heard that too. What? I heard that too. So that was wild. Um, but do you think they were like, so do you think they were using that to get to you? Or do you think they I were think legitimately so. just, I think ooh, so. What a and mess. Now normally, oh like, so, let's say like after the first or second one, I, would, I, I didn't really think much of it because it's like, you do get clients for, you know, that are, from all walks of life. Right. Yeah. And from all of it. And so it's one of those things where like, I'm not one for calling people out. You know, I'm, I'm very confidential in the, in, the, in the type of work that I do in that regard. But after the third one, the third one was the most obvious because it was very clearly documented that he worked for the Department of Justice. And he also mm-hmm. had some, me being a person that's involved with IT somewhat, like I recognized the credentials and they were more in line. And I have other people that used to do government contracting too. So I kind of ran this by them too, who were also involved in activism. I said, I get the impression that this person is not just Department of Justice, but they are FBI or CIA or something like that, given the uh, information security credentials that they had. And Mm. so now my only surprise with that was how sloppy they were in letting me discover who they were. And that's the only that's the only thing that really cast doubt. But, you know, after the third one, I said, this is definitely more than coincidence. And that's when I started to, you know, you just kind of run through the ways in which when you're involved in activism like this and knowing the history of this country with the black power, mm-hmm. movement, the civil rights movement, and all these things, you start looking at the, what they the patterns of what they've done in the past. And so mm-hmm. 
it is not out of their character to do such a thing. And so I just, it's just one of those things where you just take precautions just to start looking at the ways in which the way I think about it is if I were law enforcement, what is the easiest way to get to me? Or what is the best way that I would do that? And the, the, the easiest way would have been, let me book something or, you know, I mean, the girls are still, I mean, girls being like the pigs, the cops. I mean, those were, they were running stings on the girls. Like they would, you know, go to mm-hmm. pick up the trans girls. They would run those. Or, I mean, there's been, I mean, I think there was something last year where they, I don't know if it was like a public sex meetup or something like that with that they like did a whole staying operation on. So, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, but I am, I am curious. Was there a time when you did feel like, what was your experiences like when you felt more comfortable doing it? Um, I guess like pre Rona days, what was that like? Um, I like it. Um, I think because does it give like a different sense of intimacy or you just like it because it's just another way of like working with, I think because it's it more natural in the sense, interesting. it's less of a, because not that my, um, well, okay. I'll break this into three, I guess, different kinds of, so, so there's my studio work mm-hmm. that I did when I was exclusive, that I was always under contract, which was really, I was never, is it good to always be under contract? Like you get some special perks that they put some there's Pepsi in pros, your There's fridge. pros and cons. Uh, I think the biggest pros, or it used to be, it's not so much anymore, but the biggest pros were, you knew exactly what you were going to make, how often you were going to film per month. Mm. Um, so there, I guess it's, there's a lot more in the way of predictability in terms of when mm. you have a, a contract, because it's, it's solidified, you know, you're going to get that income and you know, you're going to have this many scenes and you know, most of the time, like when you're exclusive, they're a little bit more, um, I guess, giving you a heads up of what all you're going to be doing. Whereas like if you're a mm. freelance, it's just you just kind of, you know, in advance a little bit with who you're going to film with. You just kind of show up <laughs> and you're like, you don't really get as much pool with the companies, you know. But the mm. thing is, mm. I built my, I guess, earlier part of my career doing nothing but exclusive contracts. So Randy, you were on Randy Blue. Randy Blue was right? my yeah. I started right. Randy Blue. <laughs> you knew that, huh, Deborah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> were you ever on Hot House? I'm trying to remember yes. if you were on Hot House. So when you I were on Hot House, Hot House was actually <laughs> I didn't even know what is Hot House. I don't even are they still a thing? I don't. I think I, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, they still are. Time but I, I remember you were on Hot House and Randy Blue. I remember those. Well, so I, I went to Hot House immediately after. So I had like a three way contract. Uh. <laughs> like a three-way with falcon <laughs> raging stallion and hot house um but it was all one exclusive contract mm-hmm. so it was like i was filming with three companies and it may have looked like i was freelance but that was all under one umbrella contract Interesting. i moved there after i was with randy blue um because one of the uh directors with randy blue who i was pretty cool with so he moved to falcon and he's like when I finished with Randy Blue, it was like, hey, you got to try this out. So I was like, okay. You know, I really didn't know where I wanted to go from there. So it's kind of, I moved there. And I think a lot of that work is where I built my notoriety in the industry. And then, uh, and then I went to uh, Cocky Boys, which was interesting. But um, <laughs> I, I'm going to do it. Um, oh, hey. Cocky Boys is just, like, I feel like, so I... I'm not going to say, I, I think adult entertainment and poor, whatever you want to call it, can be so much more. And I think there's parts of that that I see Cocky Boys doing of making this like, have you seen Cocky Boys, Devereaux? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like making really like, like narrative and they got beautiful lighting and they're trying to tell except these everybody's white. stories. That's the problem. Except everyone's, except they'll have like, uh, was it Cutler? They have like one big black cop and that's it. And, and it, so and I brought part this... of me is just like, why? But anyway, sorry. 
that's it. So that was the thing that attracted me to their studio. And um, so when I came out of Falcon and Raging Sky and in that, and uh, I sort of wanted... Who are old studio? I would say they're old. They're like they are. old traditional studios. Yeah, well... The- just for like, because we have some girls, well, we have some fish listening. We have some girls who don't know. Yeah. So just to say like... Some younger. Like we Falcon. probably have some like 22-year-olds, 21-year-olds. Yeah. So they don't like, know like Falcon is a legacy name. Yeah, like, that's Falcon like has old been around school girls. For a long time. Yeah. yeah. So the reason that I went with uh, Cocky Boys, they're very, very creative. And it's like you said, like mm-hmm. they have some very, that they, for me, what I wanted that was different from my history of studio work was every studio work, it's kind of all this like, it's kind of the same really. But like what mm. I saw with Cocky Boys was there's this, they're very good at portraying like the intimacy aspect of it. Mm. Um, but obviously they're- That good natural people. lighting. And so I- <laughs> Oh, sorry. What was that? What oh, I said they're, they're a very white studio. And so I mm. kind of brought this to their attention. This is one of my reasons why I kind of left because I just didn't really see them being amenable. To, I, I don't have a problem with them, um, per se, but... Chad, you ain't got to get the pageant answer. We know. No, but I'm saying <laughs> usually with talking with directors and, and producers, I can kind of tell whether they're serious or not about mm. making the effort. Mm. And I at least yeah. try to work with people and give them credit when I see them making an effort. And I do think that they were trying, but like when you, when you, you can, it's like one of those, like you can tell like when somebody, like you know, it's like you look at somebody's like, you don't have any black friends, do you? Like somebody's mm-hmm. not telling you, <laughs> somebody's not telling you like how to do this shit because you're not, mm-hmm. you're, you're failing. And it's not like, well, it is their fault, but like they're going to have-, have to understand that like, yes, you want to be, but you're not you're not willing to make that. I think it's about sacrifice, right? It's ultimately like anytime a white, whether it's a white person, white, we're talking about porn, but it's really in the industry. If white people are in power, if you truly want to have some sort of equality or true inclusivity, you have to sacrifice something. You Mm -hmm. need to defer. You need to understand that you don't have all the answers and let someone else take your place. Let someone else's viewpoint rise above. And I think there are very few people that have are able to put their ego aside or be humble enough to do that. Um, I, I think Adrian and, and, and this, uh, that's who's doing uh, um, Adrian and Jason. They're the ones that own the company. I, I think I don't, I, of course, you, you, you know what you see of people and you know, what's behind the scene to me. I don't think it's ego. I just think it's maybe, one of the things I knew, I think, if I had to critique them on, um, is one of the things is they're just simply growing past the point of what they can reasonably do by themselves. Mm. Not that that is an excuse, but that is one of the areas that if I had to critique them, I was like, maybe you should bring in more staff. And, you know, mm. uh, obviously some of them should be non-white. Now, Adrian is technically <laughs> Latino, but like if all your Latinos look like they're Girl. white, then listen. <laughs> we saw that elect- those election results. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We look inside at oh, some of my next girls. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, saying that the Adrian is like that, but um, yes. Well, Latino this is, is a monolith. It's not a monolith. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and there were, you know, what was the year that you, because you were definitely a condom only performer, that you mm-hmm. switched to being, you know, primary, I guess primarily, I guess the whole industry primarily is bareback now, but. But when did what was that switch? What year did that you would you estimate that that happened? Let me see. It, it wasn't too long ago. Um, maybe two years ago. Oh, because pretty, I, oh. pretty recent. Yeah. Pretty it recent. was recent, and and I knew it was coming to this because like here's the here's the honest to God truth. OnlyFans is giving are giving they're just giving studios a run for their money. 
Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. And that as well it should, because you can't keep going by the status quo, which is inherently racist, let's just be honest, and <laughs> and keep up. Now, the good thing about OnlyFans is it, 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 it it's kind of like the media and what you have with social media is there's they're no longer the gatekeepers. And no, mm-hmm. nobody like there are some creative. I'm going to be real. There are people that are way more creative and deserve. So I have awards and everything, but there are a lot of people who now <laughs> are able to express themselves who deserve mm. awards like that way more than me because they are mm. creative. I see the efforts that they put into their work. And I have a, mm. a, a lot of appreciation for some people who who came into this and, and in two years time have, have done more, in my opinion, than what I've done in my entire time in and i'm happy to see that because they very much deserve it um it just so happens because another thing i want to be real about if i was any darker i wouldn't have had the success that i've had that's just that's just honest to god truth come on say it so one of the things that i've tried and can we can we just make sure that the fans know you are you are biracial right correct i'm half black half white yeah okay from from louisiana slash texas yeah yeah. just so they know okay their background okay so i uh I was, I was, uh, I grew up mostly in Vivian, Louisiana, and McLeod, Texas, mm. and but they're really about ten miles apart, so it's right there oh. where, yeah, it's right there I where. Uh, girl, my geography's not together. I was like, oh my god, I did not know Louisiana is so close to Texas. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turns out they're neighbors. No, but so like, um, I, I grew up there right there in the little area where Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas all come together. So it's right there mm. by Texarkana in that area, and that's uh, it's it's East Texas in the middle of nowhere. So the funny thing about it is like when trump was running uh the first time and all of this sort of started well for some people it came out of nowhere they were just like i thought we defeated racism you know it's like mm. we had obama we had eight years of obama and that's the so. prop that sort of well i guess we'll touch on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but so i grew up in east texas right and it's very much rural it's very everyone, every caricature of the Trump voter that that people see in the media was my reality growing up. Mm. And so that is just what I dealt with. And for me, it never really went anywhere. And then part that's part of the reason why I hauled ass to California after I finished, you know, pretty much with school in the military. I was like, I got to get out of here. Like I, mm. um now when I moved uh to here to Los Angeles, I was living in um Dallas, I was living in right? Dallas. Yeah, I was yeah. living in Dallas. And that's when I I finished school and I immediately moved to Dallas and and that's when I was still with Randy Blue and then um I think I think I was with Randy Blue up until the point I left Dallas. So I'm trying to think of I might have switched over right before leaving, but uh it was around that time when I moved to LA that I switched to to Falcon and Regis mm. Yeah. How how have you liked living in LA? I mean, prior to, you know, the revolution and the plague, like how was LA for you? <laughs> no but it's 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 a good question but i don't have any well at this point how long have you lived in la so how many years roughly five years now maybe coming let me think roughly coming upon six i think so i yeah i moved here in uh i moved here toward the later part of 2015 and um i i guess you would say i was a little bit naive when i when i came here because I, i think this is mm. a lot of this is a just maybe a miscommunication between the conservative parts of the United States and the quote unquote mm. liberal <laughs> excuse me parts because in reality California has more in common with Texas than it does LA itself now 
Los Angeles has its own set of problems, and so does uh-huh. San Francisco, and so does San Diego. But I think everything in between these three cities, to me, is more remin- it reminds oh. me more of Texas than it does anything. So now, neither one of these states would like to admit that. But like when you look at how the districts and the voting lines up, you've got a lot of similarities in Texas now. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at the sort of white liberals that are in charge of San Francisco and, and Los Angeles and I don't, I'm not just exactly sure the complete makeup of San Diego's government right now, but my beef right now is primarily with Los Angeles because they are doing Mm. some serious things that are just, they've been doing some serious things, but it's, Mm. it's one of those things where I don't think people realize how bad the police unions and LAPD and, and what there is no, there is no democracy here. There is no Mm. representative government. There's no it's very much in a sense authoritarian and I don't think people Mm. see that. And um, it's my hope. Uh, Of course I could still be naive and see how much, how effective I can be. But one of the things that I don't see and one of of the reasons why I pull no punches on my social media when it comes to what Mm. I think needs to be done is because I think people in my position need to be doing more of that because in a sense, people with platforms like myself, we're in the spotlight, whether we want it or not. And regardless of how, this is another thing that's kind of a pet peeve of mine is a lot of people like to separate work from politics. And I think that is very much civility politics, a continuation of that. Um, but people with like myself who have platforms, it's very hard for us to just up and go missing without people asking questions. That is not a protection yeah. that many activists have. They can't, they don't, that's a luxury that, for a lot of the work that they need to be doing, they don't need to be in the spotlight. And so I think it's a, it's incumbent on, on many of us who have that to use that as protection, you know? And so I very much try to do that to use the things that need to be said. And I am no friends of the police here. And I'm no friends of the city council. I'm not friends with, I'm not really a fan of government in general these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I well, let's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, well, I just, no, I, no, I just going to say, I, I think that's where we should get into. So, so for some of the girls' background, because again, we have listeners who aren't aren't California girls. Aren't, like, yes, a lot of people think about California as that bastion of leftism, progressive, and she has those aspects, and a lot of those are centralized in San Francisco and LA. Mm-hmm. But, but she's also said, the she's the Ronald Reagan girl. She's the Richard she is, Nixon girl. She is that. She's a lot of that. that. All of that came out of California. All of it did. A right? lot of that middle. A lot of those middle are they're very conservative. Even San Diego, which again is also has some queer parts to it can also be very conservative be very right. right so there is that aspect just to you know put that dichotomy dichotomy well, of you interesting between thing california that, and texas the, the interesting thing that i read lately I, I think it was out of the la times or new york times i don't remember which one either one of them i'm particularly a fan but you know they i read that san francisco is actually more segregated now than it was mm. coming out of the 70s and 80s just mm. because of gentrification and, and the rising rent prices i mm. think i think for the last two years it's taken the top place in, in terms of uh um number one in the nation as far as being expensive in terms of rent i think la is giving it a close run in new york you know give them a close run for its money but but this is it's funny because that's something I want to dig into with and we're, we're going to kind of like I think getting closer to like the politics moment like you kind of like expanding on your politics but like that's the thing about LA that me and Devereaux Miss Devereaux talk about a lot is like for me especially growing up on the East Coast LA doesn't 
really feel like a black city. Like when I grew up in Philly, that's the way he burned this motherfucker like, down in a few years. That's what happened. That's what we. <laughs> I, but also, there's like, are there black people to do that? Like, I think there's aren't there. The numbers have gone down, mm-hmm. and I mean, we can get into like. So I saw your video about when you had gone to the LAPD protest. Not well, sorry, the protest at Eric Garcetti's mm-hmm. house. Where does that? Um, I don't think mm-hmm. that was when there was an LAPD incident. But you can correct me. Uh, but I saw what you were wearing, and I I watched your video where you were saying that they brought. First of all, y'all gonna send over white people to come talk to me already. I don't know what's happening. I had there. to pull my. But um, <laughs> but a party was like, I saw what you were wearing, and a party was like, I think it looks fine. Like I, I don't like it's like. There are girls in like Houston riding on horses. There's a girls in like Louisville, like with full AR, you know, AR uh-huh. rifles. Like I'm like, he's just wearing all black. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I think that was just that reminder. And it kind of gets into what I think LA prioritizes. LA prioritizes whiteness. Like it's Hollywood. Oh, yeah. It's a certain type of beauty. Whether you look at West Hollywood, which I'm sure I don't, you don't have to say where you live, but like what you, I'm sure you've been to West Hollywood. Um, I think it prioritizes certain values. And I think, blackness and black people is not one of them um and i think like honestly like i'm not gonna say for sure but i feel like that thing that wouldn't have happened to you with like blm in philly or new york or dc from to me or atlanta because it just feels like you're not you're 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 i think it's just a different idea of our different understanding of what even of what radical blackness is mm-hmm. that like even necessarily radical blackness isn't always as threatening and in some ways there are ways in which we should feel supported by radical blackness um but i'm stop there i think um, if it wasn't for radical blackness there would be no right in this country okay so say that again there would not where there would be no I, there's there'd be very few in the way very few things in the way of of progress right. in this country um Child, i still be thinking about how like school lunches which i had going to public school i was like oh i have to thank the black panthers for that like they were pushing those kind of mm-hmm. meal programs and in some ways that being a threat to the state which is like not and some of it was like to build a solidarity in the community but some of it's about like this is a need that our community has and the government is failing and it's not fulfilling um speaking of the black panthers so what was one of the well, if you're if you're gonna speak, I think it's this is like that good moment to actually speak about your larger like philosophies, mm-hmm. um, and to like you know I think we've listened to some of your interviews, you know, a couple years back, and I think for a lot of your politics, it's been very consistent, mm-hmm. but I think there has been some evolution around like pro blackness, yeah, yeah, um, and to kind of talk about how you became involved with like Pan Africanist, the Pan Africanist movement, and like what is like the Black Panther disciple. So, uh. I am very careful not to try to position myself where I seem like I am more than I am, I guess, so to speak. And by doing that, the reason I said Black Panther Disciples is because I very much still consider myself a student. um, And I want that to sort of be the, I guess, cornerstone of it all is because just becoming now in at the beginning i didn't know what i wanted to what what i wanted to call what it is that i was doing but i definitely saw Mm. a lot in the activist scene that i was not happy with um Mm. you get a lot of egos what were you yeah oh sorry you going into what you were not yeah so you get really curious because i think for me like blm la is not perfect but i also see them doing a lot of stuff against state government so i'm curious where um yeah so i am always very you always have to check white leftists on this too because I will never, I may have disagreements with Black Lives Matters at some point, but I will never 
in a million years see Black Lives Matter as the enemy. They, you mm-hmm. know, we owe the movement today. The cur- every this is a continuation of a movement mm-hmm. that has been ongoing, and there's always mm-hmm. been, you know, like you had the civil rights movement, you had the Black Power movement in response to a lot of the problems that we had with the civil rights movement. You, there's never going to be a part of me that says Black Lives Matter, the organization, is the enemy because that's 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 what they want us to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so while they may not agree with my methods and at times I may not agree with theirs, they are not my enemy. I have a lot of respect for, like I said, Dr. Abdullah, who leads the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. chapter here in, in, in Black Lives Matter LA. And I did not, you know, contrary to what's this is what the thing you, it's there's a natural skepticism. There's a lot of things that go into this, but there are today social media is a double edged sword. It is both very, very, mm-hmm. we need social media. And I think in one way, mm-hmm. social media, especially now, <laughs> yes, with all that's going on, allows us to unite in a way that we have never had before in the past. And I think we mm-hmm. have to very much utilize that and never lose sight of that. At the same time, I think social media, and there are even studies that, you know, it just kind of fuels this egoism. So you get a lot of people who try to get ahead of the movements and want to be the voice of a movement when they just frankly don't know shit. And I never want to be perceived as that kind of person. In fact, we people, activists have a natural tendency to be skeptical of people in my position, of people who have a big social a media. Platform yeah, coming in. Because it's yeah. so easy for them to come in and co-opt it, if not for the wrong reasons. Well, both of these are the wrong reasons, but there's two reasons. It's because one, these egos tend to not listen to people who have been doing this for years. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be one of those people. And two, if they're not doing it for the right, if they're doing it for their own egos to just something as part of their own character to support their own character rather than their character supporting the movement, then that is also mm-hmm. wrong. I also have to be very careful because I'm also a cis, or cis uh, you know, I'm mixed with white, I'm light skinned, and mm-hmm. I am cognizant. I understand your of it. own privileges. Yeah, in this and space. so I have a lot of privilege, and I don't want to seem by any means as if, as if who is this light skinned motherfucker coming in thinking he's a, you know, <laughs> That's just the honest to God truth. And this is something, that shit. Yeah. And so I have to be cognizant of that. Whether or not that's the truth or not, I have to I have to know my place within this movement. And it's not about me. You know, I enjoy a lot of privilege as, you know, as someone that's especially with the platform that I have. And um now But I, I will ask you I I do I do actually want to ask you a quick question yeah, yeah. related to that though, because like I, I actually had a gay male friend here in Detroit who was mm-hmm. part of a pan Africanist movement. And he had very conflicted feelings about never really fully being part of the movement just because mm-hmm. there can be, you know, homophobia and misogyny in, in that movement. And what is your experience like? As, I am glad you asked that? that question. Yeah. Um, so this is why I do a lot of things solo. If I do show up to movement. <laughs> I got to fuck with those girls. <laughs> well, the thing is, when I do show up to support, and this is why this is why I never I, I this is another reason why I cover my face. Um, it's not just for my own protection. It's also because I don't want to be centered in a way. Now, as mm. someone who's, this is complicated, right? Because at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm very competent in my own intellectual studies of the movement, but I don't want. Cause it's worth saying that you, you know, you study philosophy in college right. and I, I don't remember if you were still thinking about getting a graduate degree. Mm-hmm. I think you have some interest in, I don't know if you're still working on that, but you did spend a lot of time studying these kind of philosophies. Yeah. And so I've very much been able to apply that sort of background to the thing. And I've also been able to ex- apply my military experience. And um, 
Now I have a lot of problems with the military and this is why I decided ultimately to decline my commission because I actually went to officer candidate school and I did all that before getting into porn. But I just, at the end of the day, I, I decided that's, that's not for me. That's not what I want to do. And you I also support the industrial complex. That is a very big reason of it. Now, at the same time, when you're telling your recruiters, Hey, I can't support the military industrial complex. And you know, that's not what you really want to tell them. <laughs> right, what is, right. what, so <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things. I also was wrestling with, I guess, you were in the Marine Corps, just for just for our listeners to know. Yeah, yeah. So we, I, I we've did, listened to, we've read so much and listened to so many of your interviews, but and I, I want appreciate them to know, that yeah. because a lot of people don't, and so like you and I end up repeating a lot of things that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, girl, no, girl. We came prepared. We did, we and I can't ready. tell you how much that's appreciated because it's like some people's like <laughs> they seem excited to have you, but it's like you didn't read anything about me. It's like not that I expect. <laughs> people too but it's like how do they feel like to get fucked by so-and-so <laughs> yeah, yeah. so i am very grateful that not all of this is, is is an hour and a half full of how do you like to get fucked well you know <laughs> i don't mind those questions by the way but it's you know it's one of the i'm glad that i can sort of talk about the 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 the, the, the total package yeah we'll, we'll circle back to that, we'll get back to that. <laughs> um but it, it's, going back to your question so like this is one of the things where it's been very my my entire life, being somebody who's biracial, um, particularly black mm. and white, has been a very lonely um, journey in a lot of ways. And especially when you add gay to that. And mm. because, in a sense, I have struggled because I grew up not feeling belonging in my own community. And here's what I, a lot of, I, I, I I've never considered myself what, cause, cause a lot of, I've noticed a lot of people who are light skinned, who are biracial, who go through this, who sort of struggle between cultures. And that is very much a thing. It's a challenging thing to navigate. But the thing is, what I've noticed is white people will always treat you as the other. Mm-hmm. There has never been a time when I have not been seen as the other. Um, now there's, I've been faced challenges in the, in the black community as well, where I've never been entirely accepted, but it's different. It's, Mm. it's for black people, every, I mean, for white people, everything is, everything that's not white is the other. And it doesn't Mm. matter how light skinned you are. Mm. It doesn't matter how dark you are, everything to them. And I think this is just a natural consequence of white supremacy and colonialism and everything else in the past. But, you know, there's just a lot of things that everything that's not, well, there's an argument made that there's white people have no culture, but everything that's just not of American or United States colonialism is not seen as it's just seen as the other. And and mm-hmm. I think anybody who is not white can attest to this. So that's a lot of my experience growing up. And like I told you, the the kind of racism that I dealt was the sort of rural white racism, mm-hmm. which is very much the uh, everything that we see as the caricature as, as the Trump supporter in the media was very much the kind of in your face racism that I grew up on. I literally knew, and this is, to t- this is, a lot of the anger that I that I have today stems a lot from this because mm. of the kind of racism that was so in your face growing up. Now, I, I literally knew I, I grew up with kids whose whose parents were in the KKK. This was mm. known. This was understood. This was a thing that was just at the time. And needless to say, I had a lot of unlearning to do because of the culture, and it wasn't because of my parents so much, um, but it was just what I grew up around. And, and so when I critique Biden in the crime bill, the 94 crime bill, a lot of people, yeah, it's used as talking points, but for a lot of us, like I, I was born in 88. 
And so I very much grew up at the time. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what it was. I was not politically, you know, so I grew up in Vivian, Louisiana for the most. And what I was seeing, go ahead. I don't, no, no, no. But that, no, that, but that's, that's it. Like, that's the piece that I want to know is like, how do you balance that? Like I have friends who are biracial mm-hmm. who then were like their white father voted for Trump. And it's like, that's about like for you, you both have white family. I, and not to assume, but I'm, I I would assume most of us, because they are the majority, will have had or will have or may have white partners. Like, how do you balance the relationships like that, both the intimate and your work relationships, um, thinking about your adult work with, you know, your politics? Like, how do you navigate that? Which is something that even our, we look at like the James Baldwin's, if we look at even some of the like political, you know, our political, um, our thought provokers of the past, would also still have white partners or have to navigate that. So how do you do that? So Cornell West says something once that in one of his speeches. Oh, she's that... breaking out Cornell. She's breaking out Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sis. She's breaking out Cornell. Listen, I know there's so much. But no, so... I love Miss Cornell. Yeah. Ooh, she we, we, we're doing, uh, we've been doing some Obama episodes. And, Ooh, Miss Cornell can't stand that girl. <laughs> I like Cornell West. So overall, I like Cornell. Yeah, I know, no, I know I there's, like some, there's, some, there's some schools in leftism that sort of have some issues with them. But I like Cornell West because I think at the yeah. end of the day, he understands that he has not, I don't think he's lost his way, is, mm. is what I would say. There are people that might debate that. But I think you really have to take more than a superficial look at Cornell West, but I, I am a fan of Cornell West. And he's so what also, he's said, also one of the most, like if you meet him in person, he's one of the most humble scholars you and I, ever meet. I'm, he really is, yeah. honestly. Mm, and I, so I think nice. that bleeds through on, on when he's talking about anything that he does a public uh, appearance about. And I think a lot of that, that to me, that connects with me. When I can see, I, I'm very good at detecting bullshit. And so hmm. to me, from Cornell West, I get genuine. But one of the things he said, you know, one time was, that, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it boils down to, you may not, I, I want to make a distinction between not listening to certain communities and also just doing what is right. Because some people do what they think is right and they do it and they don't listen to the communities that they are trying to support at all. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. see this a lot with white leftists. But mm-hmm. the thing about it is, you know, one of the things that it spoke to, I guess, the conflict that uh, what I'm getting at is to what you're talking about is the fact that I grew up kind of struggling with identities here. And mm-hmm. one of the things that he said is you sometimes you just have to do what you know is right. And you don't you, you can't be worried about what people say about it. You know, you may be there are mm-hmm. times when you'll be rejected by your own community. And a lot of that because, yeah, because I'm gay and because you know, I suck dick and I get fucked on the Internet. Like, that's not going to resonate with everybody. <laughs> we just know that. Right. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and you just kind of have to, you got to kind of shake it off and, you know, because. But for me, I'm also curious about how does that fit into like, because I think like, I I told Ms. Devereaux like, girl, I don't know that I could take white dick till Trump's out of office. Like, I just can't. Like, so how do you also just balance like white relationships or white, like I obviously have white friends and still continue to have them. But like think about white intimacy and what it means to like share that space with someone who, uh, I'm getting deal. who's your oppressor? No. <laughs> I understand very much. So that but that's I'm not thing. going fully there, but you know that idea. You can like, go I fully there. Your politics, and your I, politics are almost so. It's like, well, how do you balance that, right? So a lot of my and I got I got some criticism, and I think rightly so. I don't uh, I don't try to defend against this criticism so much because it was one of those things that I did not. 
I was a bit naive when I got into this industry. And so part We're talking like your adult, like when you were like way back. When I first got in. So it was one yeah. of those it's kind of like I, I kind of make the parallels between the naivete I had when I came from Texas to Louisiana, I mean not Louisiana, uh Los Angeles, thinking it's kind of like the notion that everybody, oh, this is the bastion of you know, this is the gay haven of everybody's freedom. everybody's oh. so freedom and open minded and in a lot of ways Party in the streets. In a lot of ways okay. these white gays are worse than the fucking KKK. Let's just be real. These motherfuckers <laughs> and I'm not having it. And one of the Girl, things some of them kill us. Watch that math. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do one thing Sorry. at a time. Sorry, here. One thing you. at a time here. So, but the thing is, like, I, I I was naive, and and so in a lot of ways, I accept that criticism. But in, in my defense, and I, I guess it's well, I'm not I'm not trying to critique you. No, more just you. Asking, I understand you know, that yours you, was not, but yeah, this is a yeah. criticism that I face time and time again, and it was one of those things where I realized this is my time to either I can dig in my heels and fight that which usually just means digging yourself a deep hole, or you can come to the realization of what your fans are actually trying to tell you. Because mm. I'm also not one of those people that says, oh, fuck all the haters, because sometimes you need some hate. And sometimes those haters have some a reality check for you. <laughs> now, it's different when I, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, but sometimes you also have to look at it and say, you know what? Maybe I need to look in that mirror. Maybe I need to say, hey, there's a point here to be had. Now, mm. The, the only defense that I will put up with that, because you look at my, I, I'm not, I'm not blind to this. I look at a lot of my partners with studios and most of them are white. Most of these are white studios. And that's just kind of, at the time, one, I was under contract, right? So it was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. there's right. that. That makes it a little difficult in the... <laughs> I was paid to do this. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lean on that as a defense. But okay. it's one of those things where you are limited to some extent to mm. the choices that you can have there's i guess you say you get more options but the more options is out of a field of white people so it's like mm. it's it's hard in that regard but yeah so, i will say ahead. though i will say like just from your own like work on only fans like i love your overall chemistry with jay alexander and raheem like i just feel like i i in my mind you have like the best personal relationship with them you all are all friends like I don't know, is that just in well, my Jay mind? Jay Alexander right? and I were actually dating for a while. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And okay, okay. Um, we dated. For... And what's Jay, what's Jay's background? So for the girls, don't Raheem is black, so I know that. But what's Jay's background? Jay's uh, Jay's also black and white. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we, it was. I think it was kind of. It was right before COVID, and um, so oh, those we, were the days. We <laughs> yeah. But so we met. Um, we actually met because we were going to do we were doing only fans together and he was in town and it's like hey i'm in town and so we kind of we hit it off immediately and then uh it was just one of those things i think i think my biggest problem is from from my first and only other relationship before then i was still kind of uh, it was a lot and it didn't end terribly but you know coming out of any relationship it's just that's that's hard like it's it's when you're when you're actually serious when you're actually in love and, and you're trying to come out of that and, and and so i wasn't ready to take on that so a lot of this had to do with just uh you know that's why it, there was no animosity between me and him mm. um jay's a great guy and, and, and although i feel like you're not into relationships anymore is that the tea basically okay <laughs> okay yeah, i heard not, i heard you say that in an interview that you're not the relationship type i don't that's... think i am and I, okay. i'm not but i'm not the type to, i'm not going to write that off entirely I'm not going to say I'm opposed to it, but it's just one of those things where 
it, you you gotta kind of touch a hot stove before you finally realize you don't need to be touching that shit. It's hot. It's gonna burn you. Mm. And not everybody mm. comes out of relationships that way. I had grandparents who were in a relationship for shit 50 60 something mm. years. I hate them. And, <laughs> and you know, and it was just the kind of it. They they were amazing, but you know, I that's not something I see myself doing. And 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 now, when I've experienced that, there's no longer the curiosity there that. Oh, what if I'm alone? It's more like I got other shit to do. I don't have the time. Like it's just, girl, I'm trying to fight the revolution. I got time to be crying. Over that's you. a big part of it to these days, you know. And it's 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 very hard to even even among other black people. Not everybody quite understands the kind of radicalism that I'm coming from. But I think, like, just overall, like I. Loved having this conversation because I felt like, for me, what I think about, like, one of my favorite um, kind of trans um, speakers and thinkers named Alec, they talk about is just, like, with trans people being on the forefront of having us to reimagine gender and sexuality. And I think in some ways, like, with sex workers, our adult performers also kind of are just people in that space where you're both sometimes on the fringe, but, like, everyone has sex, where you kind of think about our world differently. And I think I've really been enjoying that getting that from you like both thinking about you know not just sex differently but thinking about politics and really encouraging us to do more so i just was really happy to have you on and um yeah get to talk to you about this and break this down a bit like i wish we would have more time but yeah, um, yeah. girl we i could always we, come we, back we'd be, we be trying yeah yes i would love to have you back girl maybe we'll do a video show so we can see what the show the girls when they miss it <laughs> um but um mr Everell, you want to tell um shot about what two snaps is oh yeah kinda... so what it is is you give two snaps for someone you know in the public sphere in the news or just someone you may know who's out here doing the good work and who you want to celebrate this week so two snaps who do you think who do you want to give two snaps to sean it's something positive. Positive. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. yes. So, because I know I go, I go. That's why, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think now I've never, I've never met this person in in, in person, but it actually is a trans person, uh, mm-hmm. and really, I owe a lot to them, whether or not they realize it. Um, their name is Blessing, and definitely mm-hmm. a blessing in my life in the sense that I think it really turned me toward Pan-Africanism, it was really sort of my realization of how to approach this and, and in a way, a big inspiration for the Black Panther Disciples. Now, this is something for me that is still in the works. It's still a work in progress, but I owe a lot, uh, I owe a lot to this person in terms of how I need to approach things and to mm. realize, you know, to always keep my own privilege in check and to realize mm. The limitations of my own knowledge and to realize the ways in which I can do the most good. And yeah. and so so two snaps for blessing. You gotta do the snap. I there you the go. Snap. You gotta do the snap. Do the snap. <laughs> All right. Not to miss blessing. Yeah, the trans girls will keep you in check, honey. They think you got it bad, bitch. <laughs> but, I, on um... that no, I would like to say, and I've said this on my mm-hmm. social media, that, that trans people are leading this movement. Whether mm-hmm. people realize it, and usually the ones who don't are the ones who hadn't actually been in the streets. But there have been many times I've been up against the police on the front lines, literally, and the person to the left and my right is trans. And, and that is no fucking joke. And so people mm. need to, you know, oftentimes trans people have our back. We don't have their back. And and yeah. and so, you know. Trans lives matters. Black trans lives matter. So. 
Mm-mm. On that note, I couldn't think of a better note to wrap up this show, bitch. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Sean, well, thank you so much for, for having me. On, thank you boo. so much. I would thank love to you. come back uh, with anything. Yes. Yes, bitch. We're gonna have a yeah. We're gonna have a special episode. All right, bitch. We're gonna start ranking. Like, all right. So tell us what this dude was like when he put. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can get it uh, all. That <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> You're like, bitch. I can do pan Africanism, and I can tell you about the D. Um, mm-hmm. Hello. So. <laughs> <laughs> For the girls, this is your reminder. Next week, we've got our special mailbag episode. So get your emails, voicemails in. We're going to be recording next. Wait, can I do this? This show is going to come out Wednesday. We're going to be recording Friday at noon. So get it in by then. Questions, comments, reads, and news. You know, if you got them. Um, if you're inspired <laughs> by Sean. Um, to ask them, A-S-K-T-H-E-M at 2SaveQueens.com. You can also leave a voicemail at 323-438-2827. Follow us on social media at Two Say Queens, IG, Twitter. You know what it is. Sean, where can people find you? Be inspired by you. Give you some money, some dollar bills if they want to. Where is all that? Um, so most of the, I think I have links to everything on my Twitter, but my Twitter is at Sean Zevran. There's no, uh, it's S E A N Z E V R A N. So at Sean Zevran, no spaces or underscores or anything like that. And uh, I have, uh, I think all of it is in my link. If not, I can be sure to post everything that. Uh, yeah, that girl, sign up for that OnlyFans. Even if you're not posting nothing, you still support her. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get back on it here soon. So I <laughs> Trust me. I, got, I love the music. I, I came out way well, shadier so, than I meant to. Well, so, no, no, no. But here's the thing. Like, I went like all summer just totally hardcore focused on everything movement wise. And I logged back in. I had some angry messages. Though, like that. I know that's not the way you're no. but I had. Well, because some people, Miss Devereaux, why you had to do her like that? I mean, I'm know, still, but... I'm still with you. I'm still with that nine ninety nine, nine ninety five. I'm still with you. It's you know. Well, that's why right I started. My, my price is low, and I kept them there because I was like, I realized that my my content is not routine. Like you know, I don't promise to 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 do updates every such and such time because I know like my schedule is so all over the place. So I've always mm-hmm. said, you know. And I've even told the fans, that's like, if you unsubscribe, I totally get it. Like, you can go and come back when I get something new. That does not, <laughs> that does not upset me because like, I'll be here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, but like uh, all that. But uh, the girl, the girls can enjoy the old content for now. You know, you got some good videos up. Hey, there. I put a lot in. I put a lot of work into some of that old yeah. content now. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, in my defense, it's like, hey, some of these, fans, some of these only fans ain't really dealing with. You know, they're not, they're not, they're so they're not going like that. So like. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, well, this has been such a delight. I'm so glad we had you on. Thanks Thank for you having again. me. Um, I hope y'all girls stay safe, healthy, and saved out there. Miss Deverell, what's the final word for the children? I, on the same note, I feel like the girls, subscribe, you know, to your favorite OnlyFans <laughs> girl. Because I really like the democratization of porn. Fuck and, the studio. And the ownership. I like the ownership of, I like the performers having the ownership of their content. That so. Is so, I think that would be a good discussion for, for, for a show on time. Because I think that is the way that we, honestly, to not go off on a two. <laughs> I think that's the way porn's going to change, to be honestly. Amen. So, girls, support your, fa- support your favorite performers. Subscribe. No. Only fans. Right from your Twitter, girls. All right. <laughs> Bye, girls. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> Thank you. Bye.